Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. He remembers uh, the first time that she told him she was expecting. <laughs> and uh, a flood of emotions came over her, came over him. It was, uh, you know, uh, one side of excitement, the other was just terror. <laughs> Life's going to change a lot. And uh, he had to begin to get prepared for this new uh, part of his family. And uh, he'll never forget the moments that he first laid his eyes on her. He'll never forget he saw her and said, that's mom's eyes and that's my nose and oh my gosh, that thing looks like me. (laughs) (laughs) He'll never forget that moment. You know, as a a guy, we always say we want a boy, uh, but we really want a girl. We, we really want somebody to just love and protect and take care of. And they say that they're, they're going to be wrapped around your finger, but they don't ever tell you, like, really your whole arm's going to be engulfed. <laughs> and uh, he'll never forget. Those were special moments that he had with her. He'll never forget the moments that he had as she grew up and he watched her for the first time begin to discover things. And the things that they used to do together, they built things together, broke things together. Those moments that can never be taken away. Those nights that he got to tuck her in at bed at night and whisper into her ear how much he loved her and how much God loved her. Those uh, times where maybe she sat on his lap and they snuggled and hung out as the day kind of became to an end or watched the sunset together. There's this girl. And over time, she began to grow up, even becoming a teenager and taking what he had taught her and started becoming just her own, herself. And it wasn't what he had ever dreamed for her. It just is what it is. I don't think she had ever wanted it for herself. But over time, it happened. And over time, the the family get-togethers became a little less frequent seeing her. When he did, he still loved her. I mean, that's his girl. He remembers all these moments. He would come, he would hug her. And slowly she began not to reciprocate and felt dirty or unclean or unworthy to even be around her family. The relationship began to break. He didn't want it for her. just is what it is. And it takes us to a story in the Bible in the Old Testament of a woman named Rahab, a prostitute, in her life. And friends, this morning there's going to be some encouragement about redemptive relationships in her story that you're going to find. We're going to be in the book of Joshua. It's in the Old Testament, close to the beginning of your Bible right there. What's happened is God's done a lot of crazy things already this far into the Bible. And uh, he has his people and he's just used a guy named Moses. Many of you guys maybe have heard about him, maybe you've seen a movie, he's got a big white beard, he's got a staff. He like was a murdering shepherd that God used to go free his people from Egypt. He went in there to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Huh, ooh, baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard that one? No, some of you. Uh, he did that. There was plagues and his staff turned into a snake. And then they went and they crossed the Red Sea. He made the Red Sea dry up. Just craziness. And then began this journey into the promised land. It turned into a journey that none of them really ever expected because they started making some really bad decisions. And they wandered. For 40 years straight, they wondered, because God decided, nope, this generation's not going to get it. You keep making bad decisions, and they just began to wonder until this next generation came up, just in circles. Ever been there? Just wandering in circles, wondering what's next? 
And so uh, we get Joshua, who's his successor, the one who comes after him that's going to take them into the promised land. Moses has just died. And uh, we come into the book of Joshua. And then the first chapter is Joshua. God's telling Joshua what he's going to do with him, that I'm going to be with you, that I'm going to take you from here to there, and I'm never going to leave you. And so in the beginning of Joshua, we get as they're getting ready to go into the promised land, they have to take different city-states, and Jericho happens to be the first one. So it says in Joshua 2.1, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. So here's the encouraging thing about Rahab and her story that we get to see in the first verse uh, about Rahab, and that's who she was and what she brought to the table. Uh, It says, the house of a prostitute named Rahab. She was a prostitute. So the first thing she brought to the table was sin. I hope that encourages you this morning. She brought sin to the table. That's the first thing she brought. And she brought a lot of it. You know, we brought a lot of it too. We brought dirt when we came to God to him, and it was dirty dirt. And we tend to forget that the word prostitute means prostitute. (laughs) In the Bible, she doesn't even get just Rahab. She gets Rahab the prostitute. If you look in the New Testament and all the other times she's mentioned, I mean, she never even gets good enough where she's just like, guys, seriously, can we just drop the prostitute part and just go Rahab? It's always Rahab the prostitute or the harlot Rahab. So we know that she brought sin, right? That's who she was. It was part of her. Maybe she didn't want it. It just what it is what it is. And so as the story continues on in verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flocks that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies to the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up under the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting with fear because of you. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did in Shahom and Og to the two kings of the Emirates east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard of this, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. So she ends this with, I know what's going on. And uh, it's not us, it's you. This is your God, and I believe he is the Lord your God, the God of heaven above and earth below. So what did she bring? The first thing she brought to the table was sin. The second thing that she brought to the table was faith. See, that's the cool thing about faith. Faith comes by hearing, not seeing. She hadn't seen anything yet. She even said that. I haven't seen anything, but I've heard, and I believe it. So I have faith, because her work wasn't going to do anything to save her. Her works weren't. She brought sin to the table. Wasn't going to do anything for her. And the cool thing is, friends, is where there is faith, sin can be dealt with. 
And I'll prove it to you uh, in Hebrews, in the New Testament, 1130. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot prostitute Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Hebrews 11.6, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, friends, the one thing that qualifies us to be saved is the same thing that qualified her, and that's faith. The one thing that qualified her to be saved is the same thing that qualifies us to be saved, and that is faith. Works can't save you. Faith can, and then works are the result. Um, The disciples asked Jesus in the New Testament, they're like, hey, we just need to hear it straight from him. I mean, he's the God man. What's going on? Because, you know, that's just how we work. We're humans. We say, you know, we're a good person. We do good things. We do good works. We get rewarded. We're not all the same. You know, we talked about people in process. Uh, We're all kind of on different pages. I'm better than you. I've done more good works. And so they said, what's the deal? I don't want to be like on the same playing field as them. So they, they went to Jesus himself and they said to him in John 6, 28, they said to him, what shall we do that may, we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. <laughs> it's not something you're going to do. We're never going to be able to do it because we're all bringing the same thing to the table, dirt. But faith and believing in him who he sent is the work. So first thing we saw is what she brought to the table. So now the next thing I want to talk about is what did she seek? What did she want from this? Joshua 2.12, as the story continues, says, Now then, she said to him, Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. So what did she seek? She sought favor. In the midst of trial and all this stuff that was going on that was going to be happening in her life, she sought favor because the only other choice was fortification. You know, we get uh, that opportunity a lot. We can seek favor in a situation or we can run and hide from it, put up walls, shut it down. So she sought favor. And a a thing that I think that that she knew was uh, God had given specific rules about he, um, to his people about when they take this land. When you take this land, here's, here's how this is going to go. And so in Deuteronomy, beforehand, um, chapter 7, 1 through 3, it says, uh, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Gargashuites, Arminorites, Canaanites, Paratezavites, Hizavites, Jubilites, Ites, there's a whole lot of Ites, Seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, you must destroy them totally. Take no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. I think she knew that. She was like, it's, it's coming down. This is going to happen. And I can choose to either fortify myself. I can close of the city, and I can be like, hey, this is the team I'm on, or I can ask for favor. She says to you, hey, I'll receive you guys, spy guys, in turn, you save me. 
Does that sound familiar? And that's gospel. We get to do the same thing. Hey, God, <laughs> okay, I will receive you in turn. You save me. All right? I'll, I'll, I'll receive you in turn. You save me. And so what did she get? As the story continues, they say to her, okay, our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So what'd she get? She got a promise. Promises do four things. These are the four things promises do. First thing promises does, it gives you a basis for faith. It gives you something to grasp onto. Promises, promises. But at least it gives you something to grasp onto. It gives you a direction to go. The second thing that it does is promises demonstrates God's faithfulness. When God says he's going to do something and then you see that it happened, you can say, hey, you're faithfulness. God, you said you're going to do this and you did it. And then you can be grateful for it and you know that it's God. Third thing promises do is they lead you in the right direction. Promises give you a direction. Many of you guys are familiar with the verse John 3.16. You see it at games and everything. See how familiar you are with it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting and not, it shouldn't perish, right? So it gives us a direction. The direction is this. Believe in Jesus and you get everlasting life. You don't perish. So promises give us a direction. And the last thing promises do is they encourage us in difficult times. How many times have you been in a relationship where somebody that came alongside of you or you had the opportunity to come along somebody else and tell them about the promises of God to give them encouragement? Promise of hope, of love, of grace, of mercy, again of love. They give you encouragement in difficult times. And that's exactly what Rahab needed in this moment as their city was about to be surrounded by 40,000 people for seven days screaming and cheering as they were about to take the city. The story continues, Joshua 2.14. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding to, on us unless we enter the land and you have tied this scarlet cord into the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father, your mother, your brothers, and all of your family into the house. If any of them go outside of your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our heads and our hands if, they, if hands are laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we'll be released from this oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So what's the next thing she got? She got a pledge. She got a pledge. She tied this scarlet cord in the window, not just from this promise, but a pledge that this is where. See, God took his pledge and put it in the wall, the very wall that was meant to keep him out. Let me say that again. God has taken his pledge, his scarlet cord, and placed it within the barrier, the very wall that is meant to keep him out. There's a window in your heart. A lot of times we have barriers 
And he's taken that and put it in that window, that barrier that's meant to keep us out. Sound familiar to something that's happened hundreds of years later? Because there was a barrier that kept God from man and man from God, and that was the grave. And so God took his pledge, Jesus, and placed him in that very barrier that was meant to keep God from man and man from God, and thus destroyed it and made it available for anyone who would partake. He gave her a pledge. God gave me this same pledge many years ago when I heard this for the first time. I hadn't seen it. I heard it, and I believed it. And he took his scarlet cord, and he tied it around my heart and gave me a promise and a pledge to know at the end of the day, when everything's happening and it's all coming down, that this thing's flying out my window. And I know where I'm going and what I'm going to be a part of. The story gets really intense. It continues on. I'm going to jump all the way to Joshua 6, the sixth chapter, because it's full of then instructions as they're getting ready to go and take the city. And they march for many days. And I'm going to jump into verse 15, chapter 6. It says, On the seventh day, this is, the, this is the army. They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that day they circled seven, uh, circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and is all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are in the house with her shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. So what'd she get? She got a pledge, and then she got a pardon. She got a pardon. Man, that gives you a lot of peace when you know how the game's going to end. Like, you know what's going to happen. A lot of you guys are going to watch some, maybe some games today. It'd give you a lot of peace if you knew how it was going to end. Or, or you just would be miserable right now, one of the two. See, it wasn't just for her. This pardon wasn't just for her because she had relationships. And you see uh, how it said Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her. She'd mentioned her father, her mother, her brothers, her sisters. She had relationship with them. Can you imagine what it's like to be dad in that moment? And she, then she shows up and you're like, oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting you. She's like, you know, dad, I, I didn't even want this for myself. I don't even know who I am anymore. But you know what? I know one thing. I've got a promise. And hanging outside of my window on the edge of this city in the, in the walls of Jericho, I've got a pledge, and it's for us. And there's good news in it because God is God, and you need to be a part of this, and I want you with me. I want you to be a part of that promise. Can you imagine that moment, that relationship that just got redeemed? Dad, come be a part of this. Mom, come be a part of this. Brothers, sisters, you've got to be a part of this. That's redemptive relationships, friends. That's what we get to do here. We get to be a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves and see how God moves in that. You get to have relationships with other people, and that's taking other people in the journey with you, not just hearing it for yourself, not just having your own little pledge and ribbon being like, I know where I'm good. It's when you hear about it, taking other people along that journey with you, not leaving someone behind. It wasn't only for her. It's all who were with her, redemptive relationships. Joshua 6, 20, as it continues, when the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, 
And at the sound of the trumpet, when all the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with a sword everything living in it. Men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men that had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who would belong to her. They brought her out, entire family, and put them in a place outside of the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver, the gold, and the articles of bronze and the iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua sent as spies of Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. That's, that's like the best part. Did you hear that last part? She lives with them to this day. See, the last thing that she got was a new faith community. She got a new heritage. She got a new lineage. She was a part of one community. And through this scarlet cord, through this pledge, this promise, and this pardon, she became a part of a new faith community. And the things that she received for it. And we say, all right, well, it says they placed her outside the camp. You know, sometimes we think that God just kind of forgot the plan. We feel like that. We're like, all right, I got this far, God. Now what's next? We're like, hey, I'm at Northgate today. I came today, so like, what's next? Just forget. It's not like God's sitting there going, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't really, um, you're here. Hold on, let me figure this out. <laughs> to be honest, we didn't even think you'd make it this far. We had six to one odds against you. It does, that's not how it happens. Because we see this, if you look at the Christmas photo later on in Matthew 1, you see in the Christmas photo a name, and that name is Rahab. She made the Christmas photo. She not only stayed out to the city, but they brought her in. They saved her, and then they brought her all the way in. And friends, that's what God wants to do with you. He doesn't just want to, like, get you out of some stuff. He wants to get you in and a part of a new faith community because maybe you've heard it and you believe it. He doesn't want to get you that far. He wants to get you all the way in. He wants you a part of the party at the end of the day because from Rahab's line, she became the lineage of Jesus Christ himself, a sinner, a prostitute. He brought her all the way, and he wants to bring you all the way too. Would you bow your heads? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.